Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. I believe that motherhood is probably one of the toughest jobs there is in all the world. I had a friend who once said, uh, said well, he said, this is Mother's Day. He said, it's just another one of those Hallmark holidays. <laughs> He's no longer with us. <laughs> he actually, uh, this very next breath was, but don't tell my wife I said that, you know. I, I don't know if you saw it this week, but um, it was reported in the newspaper. And it's actually in Newsweek magazine, um, salary.com actually did a study and they figured out how many hours a week a mother puts in. Uh, a stay-at-home mom, okay? And they figured out that an average, the average mother puts in 92 hours of work a week. And if they work in the workplace and then come home and they're, you know, part-time work and then working at home, they're, just their at-home work is, is, is um, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 40 to 50 hours. And they actually computed, you know, what, what a mother would be worth if, we, if she got paid. You know, what would she be worth? And they came up with this. Based on the median salary, the average stay-at-home mom is worth $138,095 a month. Um, a year. <laughs> uh, well, they probably think it's a month, but it's a year. And for, um, and for a mom who works in the workplace, just her, her take-home salary, if she was working at home, would be $85,939. Man, it's, it's quite a job. In fact, if you were to kind of post that like online or in a want ad, you know, how would you post this job? Wanted, personal advisor, confidant, friend, housekeeper, laundress, chauffeur, interior decorator, gardener, painter, dog groomer, money manager, bookkeeper, personal secretary, teacher, disciplinarian, entertainer, psychoanalyst, nurse, public relations expert, dietitian, nutritionist, baker, chef, fashion coordinator, travel agent, speech therapist, and occasional plumber. (laughs) On call, 24 hours a day, no sick leave, no paycheck, no pension, no promotional opportunities. Must have infinite patience, top flight nurturing skills, boundless energy, and an inexhaustible love. Plus, successful applicant may be required to take a second job just to make ends meet. (laughs) Toughest job in the world. And what I want to do this morning is give you moms a little encouragement. A couple months ago, I got uh, on the communication card, the little um, tear-off portion of our bulletin down in the comment section. Someone kind of anonymously just wrote a note and said, would you please do a sermon on Mary, the mother of Jesus? And I've been kind of thinking about that, and, and as I was thinking about that in preparation for Mother's Day, I thought, wow, you know, there is an example of a mom. And we don't know a lot about Mary, but we get little snapshots of her. And I think in those snapshots, they, they give us a little bit of, of encouragement. They may be a little bit of help for you moms this morning. And it all started with the declaration of the angels. And I think this is the most important five words that Mary ever heard. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And if you think those five words only came to Mary, that is the most repeated proclamation in all of Scripture. Over and over and over again, God's angels, God's messengers come and say, the Lord is with you. In fact, it's usually... Alongside, do not be afraid. (laughs) The Lord is with you. And so this morning, moms, single moms, stepmoms, stay-at-home moms, working, workplace and at-home moms, happy Mother's Day from all of us. And I want you to hear the words that God gave to Mary 
the Lord is with you. You're not in this by yourself. The Lord is with you. The five most important words, and I think those words, I think those words that she clung to all of her life, at every moment and at every stage of motherhood, at every, at every season that she went through as a mother, I'm sure she must have come back to those words, the Lord is with me, the Lord is with me. And so I want to give you those words this morning. If you don't get anything else this morning, hear this, moms, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you when you're nurturing a brand new life, when you're just at the beginning stages of motherhood. He is there with you. I remember when our kids, when we got the, the pregnancy test, and you know, now it's just you know, it's a little stick and a plus or a minus, but you know, back in the olden days, you know, it was a test tube and it had a little holder and, you, and a little mirror at the bottom and, and you put the little sample in the test tube and you had to let it sit like for two hours or three hours, I can't remember what it was, and then you'd look at the mirror and if there was a little ring at the bottom of the test tube, you know, you were pregnant. And I remember when we first saw that, because we had been trying for a while, in fact, my wife, had, uh, Betty, had miscarried with our first child in her, in her third month. And so, you know, we were kind of wondering if this was ever going to happen for us, you know, and she was very, very nervous about it. And, uh, and so in the second time, we found out she was pregnant. And it was just like, it was filled with, with joy and excitement, but also a little bit of apprehension and fear. And I think that is just so descriptive of motherhood. <laughs> I mean, if you think about the birthing process, you know, there's a little hard work, well, it's a lot of hard work, some pain, some pain, and some great exhilarating joy, you know? That is like, that is the rest of your life. Hard work, pain, and joy. Hard work, pain, and joy. That's the way it's going to be. And I just want to tell you this morning, embrace motherhood, moms. Embrace your motherhood. The very first response of Mary, when she gets this declaration from the angel, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. So I'll take it on. I'll take on this assignment. And moms, that's what you do. You take on the assignment. And it's going to be your assignment for the rest of the life. And if you are at that point where you are nurturing a young life, the Lord is with you. You have a unique experience that no man will ever understand. There is something, and I, and I, don't, I don't know. I wish I did. I don't know how it feels to have a life growing inside of you and to carry that for nine months. And what that must feel like and your belly becomes public property because everybody feels like they get to touch you now you know, because it's sticking out there. And what that must feel like, you know? And there is a unique bond that only moms get. And I got to tell you, I'm a little jealous about it. Having carried that life and then nursed that young life and, and, and just look into those eyes. And I think there is something about that that every mom, you should just embrace that with all your heart. And one of the things you can do that would be very, very helpful is as you do that, build a support network. Find those who can support you. One of the first things that Mary did after she got the assignment, it said at once she went from there to the hill country of Judea to the house of Zechariah to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth was her cousin. Elizabeth was also pregnant. And she went to visit her. And she spent actually some time there, a number of months there, building a support network, talking with her cousin, how does it feel for you? You know, all of that kind of stuff. And I think that is so important, particularly in our day and time, because so many people move for job reasons or whatever reasons and move away from family. And you don't have that built-in support network that we once had as a culture, where family was nuclear and, and everybody stayed in the same town and everybody stayed together. We don't have that anymore. 
And we know many people, many couples in our church are far away from family. But you do have a support network. Reach out to other young moms. Build those kinds of relationships. Rely on your church family for those kinds of things. Because a support network is so, so important. The birth of a child also involves the birth of a mother. (laughs) If you think about it, the birth of a child comes the birth of a mother. Because you don't get any training manual for this thing, you know? They don't come with little directions attached to their foot when they come out. And it's like, eh, you know, you just, you, you, you find it out as you go along. And that's why, that's why it's so important to have this, this network. When we had our first child, we were living in Oregon, far away from all of our family. And, and that was really, really hard. Um, because I come from a very, very large family that, you know, everybody was connected and we saw everybody all the time you know went to you know, one of my cousin's house on the weekends you know whatever we just we always spent a lot of time together and to be raising our children our daughter at that time with no connections with her cousins that was kind of hard but one of the things that we did was we found a young couple an older couple in the church the bergesons and they became our adopted parents and they invited us to their christmases and to their easters and to their thanksgivings and made us a part of the family And they became a support network for us. And that's so important, particularly for young mothers. Do that. Build that support network. And at the same time, cultivate your relationship with God. That's the other thing you find about Mary. Again, it's another one of those snapshots. But as you see what is told about her, over and over again, she is nurturing her relationship with God. Luke 2, verse 19. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse um, 33. She marveled at what was said about him. Verse 51, she treasured all these things in her heart. Mary was a ponderer. She took time to think through what God was doing in her life and how it ought to work out. And that's one of the things that that God is there for you. He is with you. And nurture that relationship. Find in Him the strength that you need. I'm sure at times, particularly at night, Maybe she thought about this verse, Psalm 119. I have put my hope in your word. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I might meditate on your promises. Every mother here knows what the watches of the night are. <laughs> You've done that. I remember when, the, when our kids were really young and, and in that infant stage, you know, and I remember getting up in the morning saying, wow, she slept through the night. <laughs> Betty said, no, you slept through the night. We were up three times, you know. Moms, you know those watches of the night. But in those watches of the night, God is with you. God is with you. I love this next passage, Isaiah 40, 11. For he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Moms, I want you to take that to heart. If you're a young mother and you're just beginning this whole thing and and you're wondering, how in the world do I nurture this life to adulthood? The Lord is with you. And he care, he's very, very patient and very, very caring, particularly for those who have young, he says. The Lord is with you. And he's also with you as you raise them through early childhood. As you raise them through the childhood, which, by the way, we have come to call the golden years. <laughs> because it's, it's that age when they're grown up and, and you can converse with them and you can talk with them. And, and everything you say is like the voice of God. You know, you can do no wrong. You make no mistakes. You know, whatever you say, they just love you. You know, that changes, by the way. (laughs) But in those golden years, you know, just 
you can play with them, you can, you can, all that kind of stuff. And we don't know a lot about Jesus' life in those early years. But what we do know in Luke 2, 52 is that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. That's about all we're told about his growing up years. But I think that is a testament to Mary and Joseph. I mean, think about it. This was not an easy assignment. It couldn't have been easy. Every mother believes their child is special, but hers really was. <laughs> How do you do that? How do you raise this child? How do you discipline this child? How do you not play favorites? And, and navigating that whole thing, that must have been difficult. And yet it says that somehow they did it. She took it on. And I'm sure there was tremendous pressure to not mess up. But she took it on and she did it joyfully. We do get a few hints of some of the things that Mary and Joseph did as Jesus was growing up. Throughout Luke 2, we're told, verse 22, when their time of purification had come, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They started at the very, very beginning, like we did this morning. Young families with their young children, presenting them back to the Lord. It's one of the things that they did. You read a little bit further down in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, it says that every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. Every year. They were diligent in these things. They built tradition into their children. They made sure that they were marking the milestones of their lives with God in the picture. And they made it a point to do the things that would nurture their faith, not just their physical well-being. And I think that's one of the things that is so important establishing traditions, marking the milestones for your kids, and particularly in these, these um, grade school age years. As you do that, what you do is you find different ways to find teaching moments. One of the things that our, my wife did with our kids growing up is she put together a book, a photo album for, every, for both of our kids. You know, starting with the birth certificate, you know, and all, all these pictures as they were growing up. And every birthday, they were required to sit next to mom and go through their birthday book, you know. <laughs> it was a tradition. And she would go through and leaf through the pages and say, you know what? This is how I felt when you were this age. And, and turn in a couple... Remember when we went to Disneyland? Wasn't that fun? And then a couple more... And she would just go through and relive their life with them. It's building a tradition. It's finding teaching moments. And they're there all around, if you will look for them. A recent Barna survey was shown that in 12, 11 out of 12 um, measurements of, of faith and, and devotion, that moms outpaced dads. Uh, and they looked at it, you know, they had 12 different markers as, as to what they considered to nurture your children in the Lord. And different kinds of things that, that mothers do. That, that, and in 11 of the 12, moms outpace dads. So dads, step up to the plate. It's not their job only. It's for both of you. Support her and nurture her and help her. Look for those teachable moments. Deuteronomy 6. Every Jewish family learned this passage. Every Jewish family memorized this. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. Re repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. In other words, everyday life. 
Make sure that your kids understand that your faith is not just a Sunday morning experience. That it's everyday life. Help them to see God's work in their lives at every moment, at every stage, at every mile marker. Build those things into them. Mary did both. She did the formal things and the required things. But she also nurtured in the everyday life too. And if you feel like you can't do that, the Lord is with you. One of the things that, that we as parents were, were very, very committed to um, was we were never, ever going to uh, say to our kids, if we ever told them what they could or could not do, and they said why, the answer was never going to be because you're a pastor's child. You know, Because we had seen so many pastor's children grow up and had been so strictly you know, under that pressure not only by their parents, but by the whole church. You know, it's like every church member had a say on how you raised your child. And we saw so many pastor's kids grow up and rebel and just walk away from their faith because of that. And so we determined if that's one thing we will not do. And my wife was great at this. She always said, you know, if, if they said, why? Just because that's the way our household operates or because that's the right thing to do. You know, it was never because you're the pastor's kid. In fact, it wasn't until our daughter was probably about 12 or 13 years old, and one of her friends asked her, so what's it like to be a pastor's kid? She goes, I'm a pastor's kid? (laughs) She She didn't know. It wasn't the big deal. And it was this purposeful thing that we did. The Lord's with you through those childhood years. You know, as you're picking them up and getting them, getting them ready for school, waking them up in the morning and, and packing the lunch and getting them off to school and then picking them up and making sure they're doing their homework and then driving them to soccer practice and all the things that you ballet, whatever it might be, the Lord is with you. He's with you in every one of those moments. And you need to hear that. You're not alone. And the Lord is also with you when it's time to let them go, which may be the hardest time for a mom of all. It has got to be the most difficult thing in the world. This life that you carried for nine months, that you nurtured for so many years, now takes on adulthood, takes on life on his or her own. The first jolt of that kind of reality for Mary came a little bit later on down in in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus was 12 years old. And if you read the story, what happened was that they had gone to, to Jerusalem for Passover. And it says when the feast was over, they were returning back to their home. And, and they all traveled in caravans. You know, so it was just you know, a lot of different families, a lot of people, you know, a lot of kids, you know, people, all, kids running all over the place. They traveled together. And they got about a day away from Jerusalem. And it was like Mary said, where's Jesus? <laughs> Joseph said, I thought you had him. <laughs> and they look all around and they realize he's not there. They had left him behind in Jerusalem. How many parents have done something like that? You know, don't put your hands up. (laughs) And the panic you feel when you realize, my kid is missing. I don't know where they are. And and, and so they ran back to Jerusalem. And they get back to Jerusalem. They look all over the place. And they go back to the temple. And there he is. He's sitting there. And he's talking with the elders and the rabbis in the temple. And they're amazed at his wisdom. And Mary comes like every mom would do. Because it's that mixture of panic and anxiety and fear, and then when you find them, you just want to shake some sense into them, you know? And so she says, his mother says to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus, like a typical 12-year-old, says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? 
I don't think he's being disrespectful. I think he's just being a 12-year-old. Like it didn't occur to him that his parents might be worried about him. This is where I'd be. And I think that was the first jolt for Mary. She began to realize it's time to start letting go. He's 12 years old. Next year he will be 13. At 13, you are bar mitzvah, which means you are now considered an adult. This was her last Passover with Jesus as her child. Next year, he's a man. And I think that first jolt and that first realization, the relationship's changing. It's not going to be the same from here on out. And then we don't know much else. We don't hear very much about Mary at all until about 18 years later. And it's recorded in John's Gospel. And Jesus is there with Mary and his disciples, and they're at this wedding. And they've run out of wine. And so Mary goes to Jesus and says, they have no more wine. And Jesus responds, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. So she leaves and goes to his servants and says, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> and I think there is something. Jesus is now about 30 years old. And, and, and she comes because she's kind of encouraging and kind of nudging and kind of, you know, just being a mom. And Jesus said, wait a minute. This isn't up to you anymore. This isn't your timing anymore. It's mine. And that must have been really, really hard for her. And again, it sounds a little cold and callous and abrupt, but I think he's just making clear to her, things have changed. And I love Mary because it's a typical mom. She goes and finds the servants. She says, just do what he tells you. <laughs> it's like she trusts him. She has gotten to the point where she's letting go. She's trusting his judgment. He knows what needs to be done. He knows the time and it needs to be done. It's time for me to step back. And that is a difficult thing. I believe those years of adolescence are probably the toughest years for a mom. I know with our kids, we probably prayed more for our kids during those teenage years than we did all of their lives. Because they begin to make choices on their own. They begin to start doing things and, and exerting their, um, their independence. And you try to give them responsibility and they take it or they don't and they start testing the limits. And, 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 you, and you fear for them. You fear for their safety. You fear for the choices that they are making. You fear for their personal faith because you realize what you have tried to instill in them. Now it's up to them. They're going to make their own choice. And that is the hardest thing in the world. That letting go process. Now, you're not the voice of God. You're some person that has opinions that don't matter in this day and age, and you don't know what you're talking about, and you have no clue what life is like for a teenager. <laughs> the Lord is with you. It's tough. It's tough to let go. It's tough when your kids start making choices, especially when they start making self-destructive choices, and you know where that road leads. And you pray, and you try to guide, and you try to nudge, but you know it's going to be their choices, and it's got to be the hardest thing in the world. The hardest thing in the world. But the Lord is with you, and I want you to hear that. And the Lord is with your child, because you need to hear that too. He doesn't give up on him. And there's a point of this letting go process in which 
you let him go into the Lord's hands. You don't get any choice in the matter. There's a point at which it's going to happen. And it's hard. And the last time we see Mary is probably the most difficult time in her whole life. See, from that time on, she watched over the next three years as Jesus began to teach and go from town to town. And crowds of people started to follow. And, and, and he was just held in such high regard as a teacher and as a rabbi. And he healed people. And, and, and the crowds just grew and grew and grew. And then over three years, and then all of a sudden it comes to a halt. Things take a dramatic turn and reversal. And in a matter of days, he is arrested, put on through a mockery of a trial, and crucified on a cross. And that had to be the most painful day in Mary's life. And hopefully, none of us in this room will ever experience that kind of pain. But I do know that there are moms in here who have lost a child, who have lost a son or a daughter. Some by death, some by just estrangement. They've made those choices, and it breaks your heart. The Lord is with you. And there's an incredible picture, because as Mary stands at the foot of the cross and looks at her son, beaten to death, Jesus in some of his last words, looks down at her. And she says, he says to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the, who is the disciple who was standing next to her, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus knew it was never going to be the same. He wasn't going to be around much longer. Oh yeah, he knew about the resurrection. And he knew he would be here for a while, but ultimately he was going to be gone. And yet you see the heart of God because in the midst of his own pain and his own suffering, he is caring for his mother. And he's making sure that she is taken care of. And he's turning to his closest disciple and saying, she's your mother now, care for her. And that too is the heart of God saying, I'm with you. Take comfort. I'm with you. So if you get nothing this morning out of anything that I have said, get these five words. For every mother here, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And I would like as we close, if every mom in this room would please stand, because I would like to pray for you. Would you please stand? Don't be shy. What you do is the most important thing in this life. And the Lord is with you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for every mom standing here. In their human frailty and imperfections, I'm sure that they second guess themselves and have doubts and have even made a few mistakes. But I pray your blessing 
on each of them. For those mothers of infants who are just starting out on this journey and it seems so overwhelming and they have no idea how they're going to get through this. Lord, may they hear your words this morning. I am with you. I'm with you. And for the mothers of grade school age children who spend so much of their time in their car shuttling their kids back and forth from here to there, picking them up, making sure their homework gets done, all of the stuff that comes with that. Lord, as they drive in their minivans and SUVs, may they hear your words. I am with you. And for the mothers of teenagers who feel the tension and the strain and how their relationship with their child has changed. I pray, Lord, that you would give them comfort and strength and let them hear these words. I'm with you. And for the moms who are in the process of letting go and the empty nesters who have done their job and maybe look back and feel, I could have done better. Pray, Lord, that they would hear your words, that you have been with them all through the process and you are with their children and you are still with them. And in that, may they take comfort and strength and encouragement this day. For we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.